Traveling the Vortex. We've joined Eileen Young, husband, as she protects the Earth in episode number 361. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. Very good. Excited for Christmas. Less than a week away. That's right. I already got my present. What's your present? I got Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Are we going to do this spoiler free? (laughs) I think we probably should. We need to. to. Yeah, we probably should just to keep it short. I liked it. I don't care what the fanboys say. They're they're wrong. (laughs) Well, it's only about half the fanboys I think that are crying about it, but. They're very vocal. The biggest thing they that, always are. The biggest thing that drives me crazy is, and and I, this is from firsthand people that I know that said this when the Force Awakens come, came out. They said, "Oh, it's just a rehash of New Hope. It's the same movie over again, and they didn't do anything original and new." Are the same people that are going, "Oh, I hated this because they took such a drastic turn from the feel of Star Wars." <laughs> what? <laughs> Make up your mind. You can't have it both ways. No, but. you really can't. Otherwise, you get the prequels. I think, yeah. I think tonally, it has the same feel as Empire. Yes. Structurally, no. Well, but what, tonally, it has the same what's feel What's amazing as is it starts off, and you could see the... I, I I started to see the writing on the walls of, oh no, this could potentially be a remake. And then it isn't. It, I think that's intentional, Very, very too, quickly, yeah. it proves that it's not going to yeah, be a remake of Empire. I think there are elements of the Empire template there, but not enough to be the same concern. See, I don't, I don't even think there's elements of the template. Like like he said, the, the, the it initial sets start, up to it's, it's the escape from the planet from it, yeah. and trying to escape the Empire. Yeah. And Ray well, training. Well, even training, yeah. yeah. It, those, those are the two biggest things that are even close to parallel. There's another thing that happens later that you could compare, but... It, it's not quite as high of a comparison I, as those other two. I will say this, and I because it, it's potentially spoilerish, but it's so minor that it's not a big deal. I thought it was odd that the one re, uh, resistance soldier puts his finger on the planet, that last planet they're on, and he touches it to his mouth. He goes, "It's salt," and I thought that all that simply was is to tell people, "Yeah, it's not another so snow planet because that's what it looks like." And that was uh Ryan Johnson saying, "Yeah, no, it's not just another snow planet. It's a whole different planet." Yeah. I thought that was clever. I was like, "Oh, wow." So Cuz it was, was weird that, was that a he cameo. It was weird that he did Who is it? It's the director of Rogue One. It's Gareth Edwards. Oh, I didn't know it was Gareth Edwards. <laughs> but he does that. He says, it's salt. "And I thought that was odd for somebody to do." And then it hit me. I was like, "Oh, that was a telegraph to the audience. I, I didn't realize that until Sean pointed out something else. There, There's another reason for that. Oh, is there? Yeah. I'll explain off mic. Oh, okay. That is spoiler. That is spoiler. That is spoiler. Okay. Very spoiler. But no, I, it, it, it's amazing. And, and I completely like the direction that they took Luke. That's one of the things that a lot of people are complaining about. But I like to have a little bit of... Um, uh, fallacy in our heroes they can't be perfect they can't be gods they can't be super beings all the time they have to have make some mistakes and i I think think the one mistake that he makes true to the character is true and through true to the character of what this what's happened to this person yeah uh i think there's a lot of stuff in last jedi that you could easily see in the original trilogy and luke especially 
later on, mm-hmm. especially in Empire and Return of the Jedi. There's a lot of that, I don't want to say darkness, but you could see him kind of to- towing the line a little right bit in. in the original trilogy. It's where, not even darkness. It's no, somewhat it's, apathy is what it is. Yeah. It's, 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 and it's rightful apathy. I mean, you you look at him, you, you don't go, oh, he's just being apathetic about everything. There's a reason why Justified. he's being at yeah, yeah, justifiable apathy. And uh, the writing is so good. Man, it's written so well. It's paced well. And there's a there's lots of messages in this film that I hope a lot of people get because I think that the messages are clear that things aren't always what they seem. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to break the mold every once in a while in order to tell a really good story. And I think what that'll do is it will lead to an, an amazing climax to this trilogy i hope so i hope hope so so too the i don't know if i agree with the pacing i think i I think there's a big chunk of the second act there's there's a little bit of it starts off super strong in act one i think it bogs down a little bit in act two and then i can't ramps back up again in act three but a large chunk of act two both pacing and plot wise i feel like we're eh. oh see i disagree i think there's a lot of dialogue I think that's what what's missing is there's not a lot of action. Well, there. no, I there's think a there's, lot of dialogue. The, the but action it's very that is important in, dialogue in Act Two. I wasn't a big fan of because it, it essentially it becomes unimportant. It, it was well, needed, it was yes. needed for something to be going on for the other characters while Ray is training, and I understood that's why that whole section is in there. But essentially, on the plot aspect of it too, it doesn't go anywhere. Well. But I think that's the big message of the. Uh, it's another one of the big messages another of the film. Part of the, yeah, that's just it. Everything's not, not as it seems. Everything is not as it seems, and I think that was a very important piece. And I, I loved the, I loved the adventure they're going on. I, I had fun with that adventure. It was, it was fun. It, it doesn't just, come. It doesn't turn out the way you want it to turn out. But um, there's a lot of this film that, and I think maybe that's why the fans are so upset is because would I have done this one differently? Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, I loved everything they did. I don't know if I'd have made that choice, but I still enjoyed it. And I think a lot of fans are caught up in the, well, this isn't what I expected. Yeah, that's the problem. And and they're they're so stuck on that dogma of, well, that's not what's supposed to happen. It's like, no, you got to throw that book out. You use a whole new book now. And all bets are off with this. But there are a couple of little things that it's like, well, I don't know if I'd have made that choice. I still enjoy it, but eh, that was kind of different. There's this terrific <laughs> article out there, and if, if I can find it, maybe I'll link it in the show, but it, it breaks down the 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 issues that that especially now with, with everything not just with star wars but everything how society has become it's one of the things is we i'll just hit on this when there's several elements to the to the to the points to the article uh, to the article but one of them is we set ourselves up for expectations the the internet has allowed us to run wild with our fan theories and our theorizing. (laughs) And what happens when you do that, especially when you engage in it and you read all these theories, what you do is you come across something that you like. And suddenly you've supplanted that idea with this is how that has to turn out. Or you come up with your own theory and you say this is how it has to come out. And fandom has started to take ownership over the products that, that are out there to entertain us. And unfortunately, then you're suddenly let down when it doesn't go the way that you think it should go. Yeah. And I think that's a a, that's a, a big detriment right now. Problem. And that's a and I've been saying this that part of it for years. It just kind of reinforces what I've been saying. But that's why I stay away from fan theories. That's why I stay away from 
internet speculation. That's why I stay away from those kind of things because I don't want my expectations tainted. I want to go into it fresh and, hey, these guys are making the films. Let them tell the story. Let them convince me that their story is good. And I did that with The Last Jedi. I went into it pretty cold without all the theorizing. I mean, there was a lot of speculation and theorizing right after Force Awakens. You can't help that. I mean, I was oh, even yeah. on board. I didn't subscribe to a lot of the theories. But, and even after this one, I walked out going, I wonder if they go this direction with it. But when you get so ingrained and engrossed in that kind of thing on the Internet, especially, especially on the Internet, you run into the problem of being let down because one of the ideas that you were either somebody set up for you or you set up in your own head didn't come to fruition and suddenly the movie stinks. If you hadn't gone there, you might have enjoyed this film. Yeah, yeah it's true. I 100% agree with you. But uh, just just top to bottom, it's it's so well written and, and performed and acted and directed, uh, directed and uh, just stellar. Good stuff. I, I, I also want to add that I think it was the a great step in the right direction for the franchise to make things fresh yep. and different. Agreed. Especially after the complaints of Force Awakens. Even though I enjoy it, I can recognize how much there are heavy aspects to it that were drawn from other mo- other movies in the series. But this really breaks the mold and sets the f- path for the future of Star Wars. Even if, especially if they are going to go past nine in a new direction and it makes me even more excited for the the future of the franchise. J.J. Abrams wanted Star Wars fans to come back and feel comfortable. He wanted a security blanket for fans. Ryan Johnson decided, okay, but now it's time to throw away the rule book. Now it's that's what he's done. It's 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 time to grow up as fans. Exactly. exactly. Is what he's trying to get us to do. I'll tell you, this I, I, I carried a lot of insecurity into this film as a fan because... I really, as much as I loved Force Awakens, I, I was one of those people that I feel like it really borrowed heavily from the New Hope template. And on a rewatch, I love it. I, I still love the film, except for Starkiller Base. That's kind of the one thing out of that one that I'm like, eh, we didn't need to revisit that idea again. But going into this and then having all these standalone films that sound like they're really pushing this, oh, let's do a young Han Solo, let's do a young Yoda, let's do a young this, and I'm just like, oh, I'm not tired of the prequels. Even Rogue One, in a way, played it safe because... Well, it's the first standalone. It's a very familiar story. I mean, we're back to the Death Star again. So I was like, okay, this was kind of, in in a way, the make or break for me, is I was really hoping that it wasn't going to be the Empire template. Because they very easily could have fallen into that trap of, well, we're going to send Rey off to be trained as a Jedi, and Luke's going to become the new Yoda figure, and this and that and everything. And the film moves in such a different way and sets up the, the the galaxy, all the players. And one of the things that I've really loved is all these new characters. I love Poe. I love Rey. I love Finn. I love Kylo. And all of these characters that they are introducing in this film and in, in many ways surplanting kind of the old guard, I'm so excited for where this is going to go. So I'm, I'm, I'm not that I was ever off board, but I'm so on board with where they're going with it. Yeah, agreed. Cool. Well, do we have any news, Keith? There's a little bit of news. Uh, so there's a new mobile game and VR game available called Doctor Who Time Vortex VR. So essentially, you're it's an endless runner where you're the TARDIS going through the vortex trying to avoid obstacles. But it's available on Android, iOS, and VR. Isn't it a report, though? 
<laughs> because sure. I think they had this game similar, very similar to this, a year or two back, and now they've ported it for virtual think, reality. To yeah, I think more. yes, yes, it is a reboot of the yeah. successful 360 mobile game. Right. right. So if if you have VR capability, you can play this in virtual reality. So an endless runner. Yes. I can't win. <laughs> that, that, no, I don't, that, that's what you're it's, telling me. It's right? like pinball. You're just trying to get the highest score. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's like Temple Run. Did that help that I put it? Yes, in it did. <laughs> you got to put it in the in the older games for yeah. sure. I could have said Temple Run, but I needed something that he I wouldn't have got with. Temple Run. <laughs> <laughs> I needed something he would have connected with. Okay. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Now I'm excited again. Slap that's, on your. We grew up VR with those games. Headset. Atari Twenty Six Hundred. All of those games on there. Well, there but was at the no, time, we I mean, didn't know that you and, couldn't win. And, well, I mean, <laughs> every game I went into, I thought maybe this will be the time. There were there were a handful of them. There was Adventure and Pitfall Two, and you know those kind of things. Uh, something Quest, I remember what it was called. But anyway, there were ones that did have an ending, but very few. I mean, Asteroids. You try my my biggest goal in Asteroids was to roll the the uh, score, roll it back over to zero, get nine hundred ninety nine thousand, and roll it back over to zero, which I did one time, uneasy, but I did it. <laughs> Did you ever make it to the end of Pac-Man? <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> what do you mean exactly? No, there is an end of Pac-Man. Nope. <laughs> yeah, there is. I just haven't found it yet. Yeah, the game blip. The game <laughs> blip. I haven't found it. I actually have seen it. it ga- the game blips out, restarts, and you go to level number one. It's, it's true. That's what it does. What else, Keith? Our other bit of news is the folks over at Candy Jar released a free Lethbridge Stewart short story for Christmas. It can be downloaded called The Case of the Missing Fairy, written by Stephen Walton. And we will have that next week. Yeah. And there's a they have a big sale going. We'll have a review of it next. We'll have a review. We won't have the news next week because we've already announced the news now. We, We will have a review of said news item. And we have copies of it now, so... We, we, we don't even have that next week. We have that now. So, <laughs> yes, we'll have a review next week. That's it for news. How about feedback? Our bit of feedback this week comes from Chrissy. Chrissy wrote a book. <laughs> Chrissy wrote a review, and we're appreciative. We do. Uh, quick comic review. Dear Vortex Boys, I don't know if any of you guys read Doctor Who magazine on a regular basis. I recently found out that one of the branches in the library system carries a subscription, so I've taken the chance to check out some of the more recent issues, and I wanted to share a quick mini-review of the comic from December 2017 issue, which is number 518. It's a Doctor and Bill story called Matildas. Yes. Uh, and this review will not be spoiler-free, if that matters to you. So, sounding the Sounding spoiler. the spoiler alarm now. The Twelfth Doctor and Bill land on a planet with a giant and ancient library. No, not that one. (laughs) Completely different one. The library is kept by an old alien woman named Matildas, and her granddaughter who acts as an assistant of sorts. Matildas is stern and kind of prickly, but she helps the Doctor with some questions he has. Though her prickly nature does cause Bill to leave the library to go out into the city. Bill is subsequently caught by a gang of street kids who tell her that Matildas used to be a kind but still stern woman, who let them hang out in the library as long as they read the books she recommended. Well, that made me laugh. But now she's chased them off and become a totally different person. The kids think there's something nefarious going on because, well, nobody's gone in or out of the library for months. Bill's the first person they've seen come or go. Meanwhile, Matilda's granddaughter, 
who's been helping her maintain the library, isn't her granddaughter at all. It's an evil alien entity that's trying to take control of the library with all of its information and knowledge. The entity has been trying to convince Matildas that she's too old and senile to be the head librarian, and she should sign control of the library over to her granddaughter. Except she doesn't actually have a granddaughter. The entity has employed some alien jiggery-pokery to mess with Matildas' mind. The Doctor and Bill reveal the entity's evil plan, and the entity flees. However, Matildas realizes that she's been too absorbed by her work that she doesn't have anyone close to her. No family, friends, or even colleagues. She's pushed everyone away, even before the alien entity was messing with her mind. But then the kids come rushing in and insist that she has them. It's happy endings all around. These street kids have someone who cares about them. Matildas has an adopted family to share her life with. I love this story. Not just because it takes place in a library, and that's it's all my warm fuzzies in the right places, but that it's something that everyone can relate to. Wanting a family, wanting to share your life with somebody, not wanting to be alone forever. And it's the Scrooge trope. A mean-spirited, closed-off person learns to love and let people into their life. Maybe it's the Christmas season, although this wasn't a Christmas-themed story, but that made me feel good. It's something I've been missing from a lot of fandoms lately. Everyone seems to have some big, epic message they want to push, and we forget about the small, charming, heartfelt moments that are no less powerful. This reminded me of Doctor Who stories like Vincent and the Doctor in Closing Time, stories that aren't necessarily about an alien threat, but more about individual people and the things they're dealing with in their lives. Also, the artwork was lovely. I especially liked the design for Matilda's as this traditional buttoned-up librarian lady with the glasses and the tight bun in her hair, except she's green and has antenna sticking up out of it. A-plus on that design choice. <laughs> like I said, this was a one-off comic in Doctor Who Magazine issue 518 if you want to look into it. I would encourage people to read those comics. There are some gems that should get more attention. If I don't talk to you before, I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, have a fun holiday, and take care. Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. And I think it's very appropriate that the librarian did a review on a Doctor yeah. story about a librarian. <laughs> I like that. It's only right. Yeah, I, every once in a while I'll pick up a Doctor Who magazine and flip and through it for the comics because they do. They have some really inventive stories in there. I like that Panini, when they were the publisher, maybe they're still the publisher. I think they it, still are. Uh, they would release collections of the comics in tradeback mm. uh, uh, graphic novel form. And so that's kind of nice to be able to go back and pack, pick some of those up as well. Yeah. We'll have to try to track that issue down. Well, we don't have to review it now because it's already been reviewed on the podcast. That's true, but now for our own pleasure. That's right. All right, shall we move on to our review? The Flaming Soldier. Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart is investigating a series of cases of spontaneous combustion. How far? How can an inferno start inside a brick wall? Who or what are the ghost-like creatures spotted in the area around Ember Base? Does it have anything to do with Eileen Young's husband, hotel proprietor whose ordinary day is about to be interrupted by secrets from her past? Traumatic events from the Second World War impact upon the present day, and a mysterious aircraft could hold the key to the identity of the flaming soldier. Bum, bum, bum. I like this one. I like this one a lot. I particularly like the nonlinear storytelling of it. How we yes. were flashing back from the 1940s to the 1970s. I thought that was pretty cool. And even the flashback to like the 1800s. Yeah, well, I'll get there in a minute. Um, <laughs> no, I, did, I liked that. I did that. not like that. I part. liked that element of it as well. Um, but there's something about that that I thought that didn't quite set well with me. But anyway, yeah, I, I thoroughly am in love with uh, 
uh, what's her first name? Eileen, a uh, young husband, or uh, Le Lacoissant, Le Cosette. Is that her name? I don't her know. Last how to name? Anyway, it. yeah, whatever. That's her, why I her maiden name husband. is. Yeah, uh, I, I I absolutely love her as a character. I love the fact that she's she falls into that very 1940s military trope, which is appropriate because in context of the time, it's who she is. Women didn't have a, act, a large active role in the military, but this story elevates her to an, a part of importance, which I think is very cleverly done. It shows her skill and her talent as a tracker and the reason why she's brought to this base in order to track this mysterious ship. Um, I thought this story was going a whole different direction when the first test pilot gets in it, flies off, and then combusts. And I thought, yeah. ooh, okay, this must have something to do with the Flaming Soldier. And then that's a misdirection. And then suddenly we're talking about these alien beings that are invade. Well, we think are invading and they're basically pure fire and energy. And I thought, well, these can't be the flaming soldier because that seems kind of strange. And then to get that little, that brief interlude when they're trying to escape the base on the first invasion in, in 1940, when uh, the one soldier comes out of the wall and he, or through the wall, through the portal thing. Well, we don't know it's a portal at the time, but it comes through the, the bright light <laughs> And is burning and hands the the discs to Eileen, and I thought, oh wow, okay, this must be the flaming soldier. And then it's not mentioned again. They don't like they don't talk about completely it. Completely dropped. And it's completely dropped. And I thought, where is this story going? <laughs> and bouncing back and forth to the the danger that's happening in 1970 with the invasion again, or the at least the assault on the hotel. And fortunately, uh, Eileen and and it's there basically as a post. You know, she's she's been assigned to this hotel in retirement to take care of this hotel, but to also keep an eye on this location where all this happened for, and this base was previously. And I thought that was a really clever idea. And then the reveal of the fact that the major is actually the, 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 <laughs> the captain soldier. Well, is the, well, not yet because is the captain that she was there at the base with. And was this guy that the, she, you know, they both escaped together and they had kind of developed a you know, friendship and to find out that it's him and he also was assigned there, but for a slightly different reason, because he has had a trauma from the uh, uh, events of the war, of the invasion of, of of a lot of things. And so he has kind of a, what we call now today, I think, uh, PTSD. But he's almost kind of there as not a watchdog for the or not a watch, uh, post for the the hotel or another invasion, but really almost it kind of implies for someone to keep an eye on him and make him feel relevant. Yeah. Which I thought was really, really kind of clever too. Only for them to come <laughs> full circle. Finally, when he's the one that grabs the discs that they need to put back together in order to complete the, the, the beans need to complete their, uh, uh, whatever they're building, I guess they're it's, going home they're, portal. They're going yeah. home portal that's <laughs> going to destroy the world. And pretty much, are part of the galaxy and grabs the two tokens, the final two tokens that would have done it goes through the portal. And we find out that Hayes, the one that came through. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> what a great little thing to, to, to tell us that story early or that, that event early on, drop it completely only to reveal it later. I thought that was very clever. I was, some good I, I thought it was written really well, but, Maybe I was just more perceptive, and as soon as they revealed that the captain was the major, I knew instantly that he was the flaming soldier. Before he, they even got down, did to you the see cave. it? See, I didn't see it coming. It, there was a there was a line 
because they made a mention about the medals, which we didn't at the time didn't know they weren't the actual medals. But there was a line when he they reveal that the captain was the is the major, that he, he's wearing his medals. In oh, his uniform. I do remember him, and that's when in my head I went click. That. Oh, that's who the flaming soldier is. Sometime he's going to see. I don't think I, I don't somehow think I, get into a fire thing. And I go didn't back key in time. into that, but I think that's accidental because I don't think the medals that he's wearing. I think those are actually his military medals. They are because the medals that he hands to Eileen is the are, are, are the, 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 the discs. Yes. yes. Well, he doesn't actually hand them to her. He he he. he falls, oh, that's right. He, he ends up retrieving them from himself, doesn't he? Yeah, he, yeah, he falls yeah. through and and, and, right. and sees her and says Eileen and then combusts. Yeah. And the younger version of himself goes yeah, poking the through the ashes and says he him. must have been wearing his medals that's because right. that was all that was left. And that's what, there was that's some, what he thinks they are. Yeah, and there there was some right. line when they reveal of who the major is and talking about his uniform and how he has his three medals on his chest is even though it didn't wind up being the same. I, See, I think I, that I, I put, must have unintentionally telegraphed that to They you, must man. have. Yeah, Did you pick bad. that up? Too? I didn't pick it up until he actually went through. When when he went for when when they said, you know, his hand and then they revealed that it was the major that went for them, that's when I went, "Oh, I think so that's about just the time that I kind of realized he who he was." Yeah. I figured it out. Which I'm Quite honestly, is probably the. I can't say it's the only redeeming factor. I didn't like the bouncing back and forth. I, I I spent most of the the story. It's a great story. I didn't like the back and forth nature of this section's in 1942. This section's in 1970, because I felt like I was spinning my wheels. That every time I would start to get something going in one time zone, I would flip back to the past and then have to kind of reset my brain and go, okay, here we go again, and. The nature of the book, because of that reveal, that it's a, 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 well, not really a bootstrap paradox, but it is, that he's the one that, that comes through. I think you needed an element of it, but maybe not broken up to the extent that it was. I would have much preferred bigger chunks or, or maybe even set it all in 70 and then give us an extended flashback because it felt really awkward, especially when the brig was debriefing Eileen and saying... Okay, so what happened next? And we kind of had to keep. That's what know, I like. She would get interrupted. That's what I liked, especially about that, because it was almost like a, a story within a story. The narrative yeah. was happening while we're recounting things from the past that's connecting to what's happening now. And so to me, I liked that. And I think what it also does is it doesn't stagnate what's going on, because to be quite honest, there's not a lot going on in 1970. No, you really could not just until say, the brig shows up. Well, even after that, not a lot goes on. It doesn't. Not a lot happens with the the brig's crew. It's not until until they, start they get burrowing, down in that yeah. cave. Yeah, and the reason being is because they just are advancing on. There's there's no real battle. I mean, the 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 brig's uh, crew, the 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 soldiers are firing on them, trying to stop them. But it's really just an advancement. There's no there's no battle or no action because once they get to that one spot and burrow down into the ground, then you, you, nothing has happened. There nobody was really. It, it was almost uh, uh, accidental casualties, to be mm-hmm. truthful, because they weren't there to kill anybody necessarily. They were there to find these pieces for this portal to put it back together. And unfortunately, there were incidental casualties as they went along because they were setting things on fire and burning things down and burning people as they walked through them. But they just had a, a soul-minded purpose to go to. And so in all, there's really nothing going on other right. than the, the story building. And so I kind of liked stepping away 
back to where there was actually some semblance of action, which was what was going in the 1940s in that first quote-unquote invasion. So to me, I like that because it broke away from the monotony of, of the story not really going anywhere. And so I felt bouncing back like that was a good narrative for me. Well, and I, I liked them bouncing back and forth also because it felt like once we reached certain points that we would bounce one direction or the other and it would give us revelations about yeah, what either yeah. happened in the past that's relevant to what's happening now Agreed. or retroactively the the opposite of what's happening and that happened in the past is now kind of having an impact. Once of what's the story's happening. kind of caught up with each other, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. And, and realistically, with again the, the nature of this, I don't know that you could really. Tell I wonder it another if way. one of the things that that happened that didn't bother me, but I wonder if maybe would have fixed it if it had been chapter by chapter had been instead of mid instead of mid chapter because sometimes they're, they bounced back and forth yeah. mid chapter, which again didn't bother me at all. But I wonder for you, had they broke that up by chapter, if that would have helped. The other piece, and I, I suspect. If I'm, I, I think I know where you were going with this earlier. What bothered me the, the the flashback to the pirate cave way too late in the game. Well, and almost unnecessary, unnecessary. and Be, almost unnecessary. It's a cool bit of information, but it could have very easily been dropped by one of these other characters in the existing story. Because flashing back to the pirate cave and getting that interlude, smuggler cave or smuggler's cave. Um, I mean, young husband is 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 the lead. Both of these narrative threads are hers. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, I'm outside of the story dealing with characters that have not been introduced or not relevant to anything and, that's and going on. And all it really does is establish this cave and, and where they are. Exactly. What it's this would just have, a local, a piece of local color. And, what this and, would and have the coins, and that's it. Where this would have served better for me is if this had been the prelude. Had this been a setup prelude, okay, then maybe yeah, that yes. we could have gone to later. But dropping in where it does, that doesn't work quite for me. The other thing that I thought that. It, that sort of took me out of it. And they, they kind of explain why they do it this way. But there's this advancement on this hotel so they can go down in one sp- specific spot. But the specific spot isn't under the hotel. It's so like... They, go, they could have done it outside yeah, the hotel. Yeah, it's, it's another no, 2,000 yards from no where they're at. There's no reason for them yeah. to actually so enter the it, hotel. It never really was drama. clear as to why, yeah, they had to go through the hotel. And so that I had a, a bit of an issue with. Um when I you say have picked a spot closer that wasn't yeah. in the pool, because but, obviously yeah. Eileen and the major get there without having to go through the tunnel in the because they go through the caves, right. right? So why they just didn't go through the caves to get to the well? The I get the impression that the aliens didn't know that there was another. Now there's one route that's clearly still blocked off. It, it, yes. They they make that point, but there are other routes into there. And although I got the impression maybe, well, still they could have gone through a cave to get through there anyway. No, I don't think there was anything still open because they joined up with... That's what I'm saying. I think though, it was a branch I, that they joined up but with the hole that to, they drilled. That's what I was about to yeah. say. But to his point, they could have gone into the caves and then drilled in. Yeah. They would have had to gone down. They could have just right. gone across exactly. the entire time. So, now, that being said, the reason I, mean, I wish this had been a prelude is because I do think when I say, you say it's unnecessary, I think there's a little bit of necessity to it because that's how all the discs got gathered to one place. It was the smugglers that brought. That's what was in those bags. So it was a convenient thing for the our, the enemy or our aliens that they were all in one location that they could utilize them all from there and, and, and pick them back up. So the smugglers had brought them to that location. I'll buy that. So many years ago. So that's why it's necessary. But I think the placement is very poorly done. But okay. I, I'm forgiving. Him no, you sold me on that. Good story. No, everything else about it was was really good. I love the fact that uh, I, I was not expecting Lethbridge Stewart to be in it. Quite honestly, knowing knowing that it was a young husband story, and then he showed up, I was like, "Oh, cool, we've got the brig." 
and then Evan shows up. I was like, oh, Evans. And very nice little cameo. Very briefly. <laughs> yeah, cameo. Yeah. And, and, and then Travers shows up. I like, did not oh. expect Travers at all. <laughs> that was another thing that I thought was probably unnecessary was Travers, other than his reason for being there, was to deliver the idea that there is more to things than what the Army at the, or the Air Force at the time knew. And so he was there to kind of be the quote-unquote expert. But he didn't have to be there for this all to have happened. You know what's funny is, in a weird way, when, when he introduces himself and he says, well, I'm this expert on robotics, I had to stop and go, actually, this is probably the only thing you're an expert of. <laughs> like, suddenly, Travers' entire life history laid out before me, and I went, He's not an anthropologist. He's not a sociologist. He's not an island hunter. He's a robot guy. He's got the control <laughs> spheres, and that's his thats his bread and butter. Especially that's at this point in his life, yeah. because he spent 20 years or so uh, examining the Yeti that he brought back. Well, then I began Tibet. to call it, yeah. I, I suddenly began to call it a question all the other Lethbridge story books. It's like, why has Travers been dinking around with all this other <laughs> stuff? He's the robot guy. Well, you're, I think you're being facetious, because I, 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 I like the fact that they've really kind of Broad Travers as a character. Well no, a, he is very, yeah. Um, Tra- Travers is a... Uh, very well-rounded. Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades, master of none. That's yes, that's exactly yes. what he is. So I'm being facetious, but it, it's, it, it really did. But I you're right. This, it does kind I had of this moment of clarity and like, went, oh, yeah, he huh. Right. <laughs> um, what else? I liked all the new characters from the 1940s. Uh, all of the introductions to them and... And their progress throughout the story, I really enjoyed. Um, <laughs> the, the waitress and the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll be needing the, me next week. I, let's was, try and survive yeah. the night before we make it. What was the necessity of her telling, contradicting young husband by saying, "Well, my aunt told me about this, but it was during the day that the invasion happened." I thought there was going to be some sort of maybe time blip variants or something like that that was going to that was important for because as she's oh, as yeah. she's relaying the information she, young husband says it happened at night she contradicts her by saying no my aunt said it happened during the day and i thought is there an element there is there a reason why they had to do that is that something that was sur- I, supplanted in there because maybe the author got the time wrong for when the invasion happened? The not the invasion, the the bombing, the blitzkrieg screen happened. Could be. I and got I the wondered impression if maybe that, that was... was a acknowledging that yeah we we've kind of fudged the facts here, or if that was supposed that was a, a setup for something else that was going to happen that didn't pay off. I wondered about that too because it seemed like a weird throw in to not have a payoff for it. And the only thing I could come up with is well maybe that's one of those we had to fudge certain events in order to make. And entertaining. See, story. I hadn't thought that idea. I had thought, but it would have been so easy to make just go back and change everything to day instead of night. Yeah, that's why yeah I, I suppose it was that's weird. true too. I, I I took it as oh, this is just another demonstration of this waitress being a nosy Nelly, well, a, buddy, a budding in where she didn't really. No, that could be too. Yeah. Maybe I was just trying to read too much in it. Maybe it is simply just maybe, maybe because she got that factoid wrong when she opens up her mouth later and talks about oh, they're actually you know. Yeah, going over here that we're not supposed to count that as any yeah, that grain of salt, too. but Lethbridge Stewart believes her. That could be too. Yeah. Again, nothing that set me off the book. No, I mean, just, no. Or the story as as a whole. It just there were these little moments that I went, oh, okay. Um, well, and they even acknowledge in the in the in the postscript that there are 
some some leftover questions that simply don't get answered. And I like that about it too. I do too. The fact that we don't know a lot of these things about what happened or why. And I like the fact that, yeah, these aliens just wanted to go home. They just didn't happen to care that it was going to destroy the Earth. But and that it, wasn't their initial purpose. It wasn't their, yeah, it wasn't their purpose. Initially, just a though, side effect. And, and do we God know why Westbridge they were Stewart. here? Was that, that was another thing that was kind of left unanswered no, as to why they were here. They, they, the were, they were the search party for the first one, I thought was kind of... Yeah, I think I got that. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. you're yeah. right. Yeah, I do, I do think you're right. And God love Lethbridge Stewart because I would have been like, well, let's tell you what, guys, let's go upstairs and you can set up your portal on the surface without destroying everything and go home. And then the planet would have blown up. And I've been like, wow, I was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I got the impression that thing was going to blow the yes. world up if yeah. they had set it up. Yeah. Not until they said it did I go, oh. <laughs> I was I just know. trying to save the immediate, you know, let's, mm-hmm. not, let's not blow up the hotel and the people that are here. Let's take this outside. <laughs> Oops. I'd, I'd have been very accommodating to these. Well, well, you just want to go home? Fine. Get off my planet. <laughs> Lethbridge Stewart was kind of the same way until they dropped, they revealed that it was going to destroy the entire planet. And then he's like, well, okay, now we got to stop you. <laughs> I, th- I totally thought he would have been okay with just letting them leave. Yeah. Oh, I, I think he would have too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, his military mind hung in there just a little bit longer than mine. <laughs> Anything else about this story that uh, we want to talk about? It's a, it's a short one. It's a, it's a novella, and I like that. Yeah. It was it was it was a good speed. It was a good pace. Um, not that I don't enjoy the long form novels, but every once in a while, a novella in there is really nice. So very well done. Yep, they continue I, to impress. I would like to see some more adventures of uh, Eileen Young Husband. Yeah. All right. Well, Sean, what do we got come up on the schedule? Coming up on the schedule, of course, this is the week of Christmas. So our Friday Night Who for this week, we're going to recap the adventures last season with World Enough in Time and the Doctor Falls. Yes. Uh, for our uh, our Friday Night Who, which I hope you all uh, got your Season 12 box sets. Season 12, Season 10 box sets. <laughs> if you got your Season 12 box sets, I want <laughs> let, to let, I want to ride your TARDIS. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> no, I want to ride in their TARDIS. Um, and then we will, of course, be reviewing the Christmas special, Twice Upon a Time, uh, which will probably come out a little late um, because, well, Christmas is on Monday. And we didn't feel like getting together and talking your off for an hour or so and not talking Christmas, but we couldn't do it when we normally would do it. So it'll be sometime a little after that. And I probably ought to put a schedule together. <laughs> you don't have anything post that, do you? Uh, yeah. I think we've got one more for the following week. Well, we're, uh, Havoc Files is the following yeah, week. We oh, the final Havoc Files. The final Havoc, well, the final until Come to think of it, I now. haven't gotten mine yet. and I, I don't know if they've gone out yet, though, maybe. I'll have to check. Because it seemed like they were getting ready to post them, and then I haven't gotten it yet. Come so. to think of it, I haven't either. Oh, you ordered a copy? A hard copy of it? Yeah. Okay. Huh, well, I I'll find I out. Maybe, maybe I meant to and I didn't do it. That would explain why I didn't get one. <laughs> I'll have that to would check explain it. I'll, uh, I, I, I'll call the publisher about that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I should probably put together a schedule for next year. <laughs> All right, well, Keith, where can people uh, contact us if they want to write? Oh, you can just go to our website, travelingthevortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab, or uh, just send us an email at feedback at travelingthevortex.com. And, of course, you can also reach out to us on any form of social media. 
And if you're at our website looking for our feedback link, also consider being a patron of the podcast. There's a link to Patreon on there where you can donate and uh, help this podcast keep going and growing. And thank you to everyone who currently does that. Yes. Anything else we need to touch on this week before we close this one? If that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.